coming to you live from the dungeon where chaos reigns. Welcome to Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. <laughs> dungeon? The dungeon, yeah. This is, this is the dungeon, which usually you're here in the dungeon with me. Now you're in your own little dungeon. I am. I'm in my own dungeon. Although the room you're in right now is, is a, it's a little bright to be a dungeon. Yeah, it's all the, you know, it's the the light of all the souls that are dying outside. Oh, I thought, maybe, yeah, like that and the light hitting the white bleached skulls that are in the room. Piled up in the back, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Man, we're, we're here again after a, oh, a Just Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I'm Andrew Desimone here with... Trailer Gracie. And... <laughs> We are just off to a good start. Yeah, we're just trying to. It's it's tough to really figure out what's real and what's fake nowadays. I mean, I I have a tough time telling what, like where, like who's real. And I mean, I haven't left my house in in days. I don't even know. I'm not even sure if this we're recording. This might be a dream, and I'm gonna wake up in five minutes, and I'm just on my couch again, covered in in like potato chip crumbs and, oh. and just baby oil. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say covered in what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you catch me on certain days. It depends, man. Hey, we've spent a lot of time together. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so your mental health still okay? You, have you like screamed at like a dog lately or gotten in an argument with a squirrel? Oh, I mean, I would love to go outside and, you know, beat the shit out of the squirrels in my house, but my wife wouldn't approve of that. Well, okay. If, if you had to beat the shit out of a squirrel, like what method are you using? Are you oh, hitting, just... are you hitting them? Are you like, are you like trying to use jujitsu on their tiny little bodies? Oh no. I think I just grabbed their tail and just whack. <laughs> just against the tree. Yeah. What if it got out of your hand and like it like ran up your back and like started like biting you in a spot you couldn't reach? Oh, I don't know. If, I don't. Know. I can pretty flexible. I can touch just about anything. Well, you might have to like get mad. Like you jump up like on the ground, like slam like your back against. It. You know. You know who did that in the just match was uh, God. What was his name? Um, let's see. Uh, man, I'm gonna look him up real quick because uh, he did it against Marcelo Garcia, and he just. Did he like full on um, jump in the air, like land on his back, smash? Yeah, it was uh, it was Marcel Garcia versus Rico Rodriguez in ADCC. Yeah, man, Rico Rodriguez was this gigantic guy who like was it absolute? Uh, yeah, I think so. Or it might have been before. It's old enough that it might have been before like weight divisions. Um, and it was gonna be. It's one of the few times I think where like. Marcelo like ankle locks somebody like in a match. So, so how did, so what Marcelo takes his back? Does he stand up? Well, Marcelo took his back on his feet. Okay. He arm dragged them. He tried to arm drag to single. It didn't quite work. Then he kind of duck unders goes to like a body lock in the back. You know, he's huge. So he kind of just jumped up on his back and Rico Rodriguez just stood there. Cause he's just stood there. So he, uh, you know, Marcelo started threatening a choke, and he kind of just jumped back and kind of fell on Marcelo. And uh, I think it pissed Marcelo off because he saw him do some things that he didn't. I think he unclocked him in that match, but I could I could be mistaken. 
I didn't know that was allowed. Are you, you can jump up and land on your back like that? In ADCC, you can slam to get out of submissions. So you can't strike, but you can slam, which to me, that's kind of weird, but you know. Is it practical to, if you're in an actual fight, take someone's back that way where you hop up and like climb up their back so your feet leave the ground? Um, in a self-defense situation? Um, yeah. Pr- pr- probably not. I think I would, I would recommend dragging back or dragging them down to their knees or mm-hmm. dragging them back to their butt before taking their back. Um, taking your back on your feet um, is okay if you're like falling on mats or if, if there's certain rules. But man, like, I mean, imagine, you know, I'm not as big as Rico Rodriguez. I mean, he's bigger than I am but you're a little bit smaller than, than Marcelo, but it would be like, if you jumped on my back, you know, while I'm standing and I just jump up in the air and throw myself onto the ground and like, try to like basically splatter you, you know, the result would be like in cartoons when someone, let's say falls from very high, high, like a very tall height and they hit the cement and you see the exact imprint of their body, right. you would do that <laughs> stand up. And then I would slowly just like poke my head out and I have, yeah, that that's about what it would happen. Yeah. So like on the mats, it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, because well, it'd still suck, but at least you have the mats absorbed. But if it was like out in the streets, you know what I mean? Like on a, on a concrete floor like that, that could probably just end the match there. So I think it'd be safer to drag somebody down before, before doing something like that. What's the best way to drag a big person down like that when you're when you're a tiny little guy trying to bring all that behind, body weight? If you're if you're behind them, yeah, and you have a body lock, um, yeah. well, um, there's there's a, there's a number of different options. Um, you can if you're behind them, you know, you can do like you can do like a pullback to to trip. So like you can pull them back and trip their foot so they fall like on their butt. Um, you can do like Hanzo's little sit down trick. Hanzo's got this um, takedown. They got real popular when he fought last time, I think last year or the year before, where you weave your outside leg over the opponent's near leg and underneath their far leg. Oh, and okay. basically you take the, you have, basically you end up with one leg on the floor and one leg weaved between the opponent's legs. And you just use the leg that's on the floor to push yourself back. And by going back, you, the way your legs are weaved, your opponent can't keep up. So he falls. He falls on you, uh, like in a seated position almost. And from there, you, you can do that. There's do you also, have to have long legs for that? No, as long as, you, as long as you can clear the front leg and you can create an anchor behind the back leg, you're okay. So you can even do it like to the groin. That would still work fine. When you um, say to the groin there, it, I'm thinking – to get that, would I have to kind of hoist myself up a little bit where like I have to raise my hips higher on the, your, your, your leg? Like if you're doing it to me, like your leg, your hamstring would have to be above my, my kneecap thigh area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be by my hip. I mean, that'd, that'd be kind of ridiculous to think, but, but something like that would work. You can do like, uh, you can do like Dr. Howe's little, um, like body lock drag down, you know, where you, you trap an arm, you have a body lock with an arm trapped, pinch the knees and fall forward. And they will always fall forward. If you do You're that, pinching so. your knees. Yeah. Your knees around the, around the near side leg and they have no option but to fall. So that's a, um, that's a good option too. We're going to transition to just miscellaneous questions we've gotten from people. Okay. And we'll just, we'll go through. Hopefully they're good questions. What's that? <laughs> Hopefully they're good questions. Hey, you know, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're a little less good. 
And sometimes like they're, to be. they're a little, little shitty. There, you like that? Oh, thank you. That makes me feel better. <laughs> at least, at least now you're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and you know what? This episode, uh, your hair looks better than the last time I saw you. It's longer. Yeah, I think it, it's working right now. Last time it was yeah. long, and it was like you were just trying to figure out what to do with it. Oh, I didn't do anything to this. I just went to work like this. <laughs> Looks all right, Thanks. though. You get the feel. Thanks. I appreciate cool. that. Yep. Yeah. You like my hair? Do you want to say anything about my hair? Oh, your hair looks beautiful. Oh, thanks. That's really yeah. Sweet. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, now, now with, after that beautiful unsolicited compliment, uh, the first question: <laughs> What do you do when you keep getting kimura'd, and the position you're getting kimura'd from is you're on your back, someone's in side control, and you just keep like if you'll go for an underhook and because underhooks from that position a lot of times are nice you can use them to escape but sometimes people will use that against you and they'll just come more of the shit out of you over and over okay i think that's like a two that's like a two-part thing okay and i, I would think yeah. to do that the person on top is probably would they be turning their hips away and yeah, to get maybe slightly maybe slightly towards the towards the hips but it really depends on the person in bottom you know when you're in bottom side or in any position really if you're ever getting kimura'd okay period it doesn't matter what position you're in half side i mean name of positions on your feet it doesn't matter if you're getting kimura'd this the main source of trouble is, is not your partner's ability to get a kimura it's not their ability to set up a kimura it's not them trapping you what it comes down to at the end of the day, when you eliminate all nonsense, is your elbows are away from your body. Okay? If your elbows are tied to your ribcage, there is no Kimura. Because if your elbows are tied to your ribcage and somebody tries to Kimura you, they will have the, their arm around your forearm, not your tricep, bicep area right if they can get their arm around your tricep bicep area it means your elbow is exposed so it, it all kind of goes back down to very fundamental stuff if you're getting kimura from a position let's say side mount in this example your elbows are away from your body right and then if you've been training to any significant amount of time you've heard people say you know have a good posture keep your elbows in you know don't give up your back those are kind of like staples of jiu-jitsu so whoever the listener was if they if they would pay more attention to their elbow placement that wouldn't happen mm -hmm. so so that's the the first part the second part is the listener when he you know hears this he's going to think and he said well my partner is just better than me i am doing the right thing i am doing an underhook to get out of bottom side and i'm exposing myself to kimura and the reality is Getting out of from bottom side with an underhook is a very good, very viable way to go, but it does not mean that your execution is correct. When you're looking to get an underhook from bottom side, your elbow should never separate from your body. You know, I mean, we've drilled it at school. Hum, you know, we talk about keeping your elbow tight to your body so your hand pummels through, not your elbow. Mm -hmm. um, that way, there's no exposure. Um, but you know, sadly, a lot of people don't catch on to that or not. Uh, 
aware of that. And they practice pulling the arm out and punching the hand through for an underhook instead of pummeling. And that small difference can become a habit that's hard to break later. Okay. So you said a two-parter. What's the other part of that? That was the second part. So the first part oh. was the mistake of my elbow separated. You okay. know, if you don't separate your elbows, you won't get kimura The The second part is I'm my elbow separating because my underhooking is not good. You think people are separating that elbow because they feel like they have to generate more power and that's in their head the best way to, to do that? Power. It feels it feels like, oh, if I go like this, like that big motion is going right. to get them off of me faster as opposed to this elbow against your side motion. That's- yeah, I think I think the, the, the I think it, a lot of it is unawareness. You know, people are not aware that that in that particular position, it can make such a drastic impact. I think it's also the people that are aware of it. There's a good chunk of them that just think. I am faster. I am more powerful this way. I don't get punished for doing it this way. Therefore, the small benefit I get from keeping my elbow tied to my to my body is not really relevant. So I don't need to do it, you know. Um, but the reality is, we should always be practicing for the people that are the best. You know, we should our, our train partners, whether they are really the best or not, we should always train and act and roll as if they are the best people on the planet. I know when I roll with Dr. Howe, the other black belt at our school, he he gets me all the time with Kimuras from that position. And and it's and it's so frustrating because I'm doing things that I'm, that work on like everybody else, but he always hits get, gets me with them. And so I guess my, the reason for that is when I'm with him when I, I must be doing those, I'm probably doing them the same way all the time, but people just aren't sharp enough to catch that. Kimura. They're, or they're not aware. So, so how is like a Kimura hunter, you know? So he like, he likes to set people up so that they have to, so their path to escape a position, whenever you roll how, um, he sets it up so that if for you to get out, you have to expose yourself to a submission. He likes to do that, which is, which is good. He likes to catch you in transition. And, a lot of his, his staple submission is, is Kimura. So if, if you try to get out, the only way he'll expose any sort of weakness will be in a way that you would have to use an underhook to get out or something like along those lines. And he is looking for that elbow separation and he will make that separation happen and, and take advantage of it. So, you know, with somebody like him, you know, the, the idea is not that you're doing anything wrong, is that he's actually aware of of that. Like, if there's a separation, I can go for it. If you roll with a blue belt or a purple belt or a brown belt, that separation may be there, but they may not be smart enough or aware enough or experienced enough to see it and take advantage of it. When someone on top gets that Kimura, what is the point? of no return where if, if they get to that point do you know this this fight's over um i mean if the target hand is by your head that's a problem <laughs> right yeah if the medic's next to you saying okay we're yeah. gonna have to get this guy off the mat yeah as soon as it, when they slap that hand on and start to go you can there are, you can still save it at some point like where I guess, first of all, what's the best way to save yourself from that Kamara once so, you feel that they're going for it? 
So it comes down to, it's like a, it's a series of events, right? Somebody catches him a Kimura, they have a Kimura grip, but they, they're not cranking at where you would have to tap, right? It comes down to, to, um, putting a bandaid on it. You know, I need, I need to not immediately tap just because they got this grip. So we need to find a way to delay, slow down, or just create a difficulty for their finishing mechanic. So as an example, if we are on our back inside mount, somebody gets a Kimura, if you spread your fingers apart and you palm the floor and you raise your hips, it'll make both your hand and your shoulder very, very heavy, which means that for them to get that hand in a position where it could do damage to you will be far more difficult, not impossible, just more difficult, which buys you time. So that's the first step is just buy yourself time. So, and you said for that specific motion, you said you're putting your hand on the mat, hips up. So you're kind of turning away from them, like. No, I mean you don't. I mean you. You. I would assume you're flat. True. All right. Yeah, you're right. You're not on yeah, your I mean, side. I'm, you're, right. I'm, I'm, if they're on, if they if if you're on your side, then then you don't have time to to create that that stop gap there. So, but you forgot to spread your hand. <laughs> <laughs> you have to spread your hand. Believe it or not, it makes a difference. What, um, what, what is it about spreading the hand? That it's a bigger surface area oh. on the floor versus a smaller one. So See all those stupid little things that you, like you'll say in the class. And it's like, okay, okay, cool, whatever. And then you're yeah. doing it harder. Like spread your hand like, okay, cool, I got it. Thanks. So, 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 have, so when, when, when your girlfriend comes over this weekend, like have her lay down. Oh, outside I mount. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, have her, have her get, get inside mount, grab a Kimura, and then keep her, you know, make sure her back's flat on the mat. Have her open her fingers and then palm the floor and then yeah. raise, raise her hips so that the only thing that she's got touching the floor, uh, so that her hips are not touching the floor whatsoever, and then try to, try to take that hand and put it behind her back for the Kimura. It's almost impossible. And what should I be wearing when I'm doing this? Hey, it's you and her, whatever you want. I don't give a shit. <laughs> cowboy boots. That's cool. Cowboy boots. Maybe like some, uh, like some leather underwear with suspenders. Yep. And the and baby angels. oil. And the baby oil you talked about earlier. Yeah, I still have plenty. I mean, a lot of people when they were getting ready for being quarantined in their houses, they were stacking up on toilet paper. No, I was. I had. Do you know how much? No one was looking at the aisle with the baby oil. There was so much. I baby. I have enough baby oil to turn my entire house into a slip and slide. Do you want to come over and slip and slide? Come on. Maybe, maybe at some point. Maybe at some point with the the brewery shirts. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we got we got to give a shout out to Craig Johnson. Uh, yeah. He hooked us up, and when I got home from work today, he sent us a box with t-shirts and just like really nice swag from his brewery, Fort Orange Brewery in Albany, New York. It is yep. Fort Orange, right? It is Fort Orange, yeah. And so, yeah, that was that was just something yeah. nice that he did. So, Paul Elliott, you have kind of been bumped as our alcohol sponsor of the show. I mean, I, I'm down for, like, a competition. That's what I'm thinking. Let's try to – if we yeah. can get anyone listening to this who can supply us with alcohol, we are happy to create some type of war where – yeah, Paul, your wine was okay, but I don't have – I'm wearing a shirt right now. My shirt doesn't say Paul Elliott wine. No. Right. right. I have but. a glass in my cupboard that doesn't say Paul Elliott wine. I have a glass – a bottle of wine 
oh no, I don't have a bottle of wine from Paul Elliott. Thanks, no. Paul. Right. We we do have a little bit of that gin left. We need to like knock it out at some point. That's true. I want you to know that I've been <laughs> like when I'm making dreams, I keep going for that. And I'm like, nope, don't finish that. I gotta I gotta wait. That's that's not just my bottle. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I feel like we shouldn't be put in the situation. No. And it's rude that these people would put us in these situations. Yeah, I think so. I think but so. but again, thank you, Craig. It was, it was very kind and I will. I, Croyler and I still, the next time we can get together, we're still planning on doing a photo shoot for you in those t-shirts yeah. and those t-shirts alone. We'll and just baby leave oil. that. Let, baby. let that hang. Yeah. Okay. Maybe while we're, maybe while we're slipping sliding in your house. There we go. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we should have a competition, uh, some type of on the show where the winner gets to come to my house. We all will just lather up in baby oil and we'll, would you like a slip and slide around the house? And uh, I, I don't know. I, I assume you'll probably like the other competitions we've done. You'll pay for the fees to get them here. And no, I will not. So <laughs> I'll put the competition together. You just pay for getting them here and they can stay at your house. I, I you're probably yeah. going to say right now. Uh, is yeah. yeah I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so, so, the first step would be to, to prevent damage, right? So you would, you know, slow slow down, delay, or, or to the best of your ability, prevent their finishing mechanic from being executed. The next step would be to know which battles to fight in order to escape. So, um, you know, people think, oh, you know, if in, a, in the example of like, if somebody, if you're on your side, right. And, and, and they manage to lift you off your shoulder and now they're being able to crank the hand behind your back in a situation like that, you're so far along that the buying yourself time is not a, not an option anymore. You have to react. So, which is also the next step in escaping is, is knowing where, where the battle is going to take place. So in Kimura's, the the battle happens at the elbows, not at the shoulders, not at the hand. So when you when somebody kimuras you, or when you kimura somebody, uh, your so let's say I'm kimuring you, my my attacking arm that's wrapping around your tricep, the closer my elbow is to your elbow, the more powerful my kimura is going to be. However, because it becomes it gets to the end of the lever and allows for rotation of the shoulder, but if your elbow if your elbow that I'm trying, your shoulder that I'm trying to attack, if that arm, if that elbow slips inside of my elbow pit, the Kimura fails every time. So the the next escape for a Kimura, um, the next step in escaping the Kimura in this example would be something along the lines of getting your elbow to slip inside your opponent's elbow pit, meaning towards, you know, closer to your body and removing their arm from between your, your bicep, tricep and your rib cage. Yeah. I mean, well, this, that's to, to escape the finishing mechanic. I mean, odds are when you do that, they'll usually still have the grip and position. And then at that point it becomes further prevention, right? So once you've, you've, uh, once you're out of danger, you need to avoid, find ways to avoid yourself from being put back into that position, meaning you can't flare that elbow. You know, you want to go flat to create more difficulty, but um, it comes down to just experience and escaping whatever the situation is when you are out of the submission. I'll be honest. It's been so long since 
we train. I don't really even remember what a Kimura is. I want to say it's it's a combination of a choke and a leg lock. That, that's that's not it. No. All right, I'll, I'll have to touch up on that before we go back to the gym. Yeah, have, have, have your girlfriend teach it to you. Yeah. All right, next one is one I think a lot of people can relate to, including myself. All right, when someone – all right, they say when I shoot double legs, I always end up – on my knees with my opponent sprawled, basically their hips on the back of my head. And then I'm just stuck there holding on to their leg for dear life. What do I do from this position? And I know from jujitsu and also just wrestling so many times where you shoot that double leg, they sprawl and you're hanging onto the leg just in hopes that somehow that will get you magically to a good position. But usually that doesn't happen. So um, it comes down to like failed, failed double leg or single leg, mostly double leg, but a failed double leg. The, the problem there, it can be due to a number of different things. It can be set up. It could be timing. It could be um, execution, you know, and you all, we also always have to give credit to the people we're grappling against. Maybe their defense is really good. Maybe their, their timing is a little bit better, you know? So there, there's all these things that, that can take place. Um, so the issue, so, so the question is, is it, what, what do I do or what I did wrong? I, I was, they said, what do I do? But I think it would be um, good to also say to first start with what, why did they end up in that position? Which, like you said, it could be the opponent's, opponent's that good. Right. It could also, like I said, if it's a timing issue, that's that's just practice. If it's a setup, there's a number of different ways of setting up. So you'd have to look exactly the way it was set up in order to troubleshoot it. But if we're just talking about strictly mechanics of a double leg, um, my guess is the execution was poor. Um, it seems like a lot of people also, their problem is they don't, They'll shoot and then they just stop. They don't like keep right. going forward. And so they just, they think like, all right, I'm shooting and my knee's going to hit here. And then they get there and there's no more force. And they right. die. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's an execution problem, right? So you have to come down to if your posture is off, meaning like if you're, if you're bent over at the waist versus having just a, a low, it's like there's a difference between like, lowering your hips and keeping your chest back, shoulders forward, sorry, chest forward, shoulders back with good posture, you know, head up as you shoot. And a complete difference between that and bending over at the waist and looking to grab somebody's legs, you know. So, you know, in the first example where your hips are lower than your shoulders, they're underneath your shoulders and your chest is forward and your shoulders are back. Your spine is in perfect alignment. You're powerful. You can use your legs. On the second example where you bent at the waist and you extended your arms out to grab somebody's leg, you're bent over, which makes you weak because it's a completely different muscle group. It becomes your lower back versus your your quads, your thighs, you know, your, your butt and, and everything. So, um, so that's the first issue. My guess is it's a posture, which makes you weak. It makes you hit a, feel, feel like you hit a brick wall versus something more, more you know, movable. Um, the, the other thing that could lead to that, it could be a head placement. You know, if you keep your head's underneath your opponent's, like, chest, you know, it's very hard to lift because if you can't look up, it's it's hard to, to move. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a situation where your angle is just off. Well, everything is right. Your angle is just off where instead of 
coming at the opponent at a slight angle, like a 30 to 45 degree angle from, from them, you might be coming straight on at them. So it allows them to just essentially lay on you versus have to sprawl. Um, it, it could be a number of little things like that. Um, as far as like what to do once you're there, it depends on on how your opponent is sprawling. You know, if they're hugging your waist, then you can just do a simple sit through. You know, look at do a sit out like a wrestling sit out. Um, if it's if they're attacking your neck, then you have to do like a trip by or defend the guillotines or potential, you know, anacondas. If they're a little bit more loosey-goosey, you can sit the guard. You know, if they're looking to take your back, then you can maybe, you know, fight your way back up to an even position. It kind of depends what they have, what they do from there, but definitely not ever, 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 ever grab somebody's legs, whether they sprawl or not and stop moving or worse yet, have them sprawl on you and then just sit there like that is not a safe place what's the best way to get to that like you to the like sit out to, to guard or like the like falling to guard from that how do you get to that position because you have a ton of weight on you and so to get to your back what's the best way to transition so you, you, you have to go back to like if you're looking to get guard back you have to do what you should have done in the beginning which is to get your hips underneath your shoulders um and and it's easy for me to say but it's not so easy to do. Um, it's something that I, I got good at because I had really shitty double legs when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of forced into having to do that. But essentially, if they're sprawling hard and you have your arms stretched out, first thing is pull your arms back in so you can create a frame and then to hold your shoulders up because there's going to be weight there and then step forward with one leg out out from underneath your opponent so that the leg can move a little bit freer, more freely. And then from there, when you... You know, instead of doing like a wrestling sit out where you'd sit and pummel to the back, you're you're going to extend your leg, the leg that's underneath you. You're going to extend that leg underneath your hips and then lay back over you. So essentially, you're going to fall back. And what happens is a lot of people think they, they would get folded in half there mm-hmm. because, you're, you know, the, the reality is the only way to get folded in half there is if the opponent is so massively larger than you that he he can encompass a, a huge amount of space around you. If you, if you, if if there's not that gigantic size difference, they can't follow you in your ability to fall back because they will hit your legs and hips, and that kind of prevents them from following. We got through two questions, and I'm going to call that our our spot here to to end this. Okay. Um, before we end, so you've you've mentioned that you, like all of us, really can't wait to get back to training um how how badly do you want to train how bad what would you do to get back to training uh how many bodies would have to be just stacked on the ground for you to get to that point what would you croiler gracie be willing to sacrifice for this (laughs) oh that's a dangerous question (laughs) well let's give you a couple options here and you tell me that's yeah that's doable or no that's not uh Let's start off with you by doing this can get any of the options I give you. You do this, everyone around the world can go back to training jujitsu. You're not curing this. You're not getting rid of this illness or this. You're not getting a vaccine out of there. There's just something weird that something appears in the bodies of these people that makes them immune. And so all. So I'm giving immunity to all jujitsu people out there. 
governments around the world are saying, if you do jujitsu, you can't go back because apparently it's not affecting your community. Okay. All right. So to do that, first option, you get a tattoo on your back and your chest. On your back, it is, it's like big, sexy angel wings. And on your front, very, very pretty, like women breasts, like okay. realistic tattoos. So it looks like you have like three dimensional, beautiful breasts. And then okay. on your belly, it's, they, they cut it out. It's again, like a photorealistic, like big jack-o'-lantern mouth. So it looks like your stomach is like the opening of a jack-o'-lantern mouth. Okay. Okay. So okay. what's my, what are my other options? Well, no, first I'm going to go through these and see, would, would you do it for that? Like you do that and. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, wow. All right. Uh, you, for the rest of your, so you said that one you're doing. What about. I could do. You, you could do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have to listen to all the options. Right. Well, these are just, we're just seeing where you are. So you said, yes, I'd be willing oh. to do that. So we know that that's uh-huh. within the realm. Okay. Now, what about for the rest of your life? You have to bleach your hair. Like really, like mm-hmm. just bleach blonde, and you have to have pierced nipples. I can't train then, though. Um, you then I'll take, be like a I'd be like a martyr then. You can take the piercings out when you're training. Eh, whatever, why not? Okay, all right. I, I like you are you're you're a lot more lenient with this than I expected. Usually, you just say no, but you're being sacrificial here, and I think everyone I am appreciates that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can only use jits when you're talking to people. You can just say jits and you have to say bra a lot. Like, nah, uh, I don't think I could I, do that. Well, let me teach you guys about jits, bra. And I, I, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> that one, no. Everyone's just going to have to wait, wait to train. It's not worth it. Yeah, because that's an insult to my intelligence. <laughs> All right, last one here. You, <laughs> everyone can come back to the schools you just once a week, Tuesday afternoons, you just have to teach one, one hour class of like magical chi self-defense. I couldn't do that. What? Everyone. Yeah. Like, yes, you'd be teaching something useless, but people would be back to learning something effective the rest of the week. Well, no, because you see me teaching that one hour a week could do so much more damage than otherwise what if what if that class what if you said yes i'll do it and that class blew up in popularity like it, it was siphoning I, all the students and enthusiasm away from your jujitsu classes i couldn't do that because like it, it would be that you know it, that goes down into the realm of teaching like like inefficient forms of self-defense like that's such a huge problem in the community because if if i teach somebody something that is not effective and they believe it to be effective, they're more likely to put themselves at risk than they would otherwise. So I could actually cause more harm than not by doing that. So no, I, I couldn't do that. See, that's what I'd want to hear from the person who's teaching me magical chi, because that's you're being upfront <laughs> and honest. So I would like to hear that from the guy who's teaching me how to use my own energy to propel opponents away from me. So, oh. <laughs> so I think you were born to do that. Let's just start yeah, off maybe. just with one class a week. Okay, see how it is. If it's popular, 
can maybe do two. If it gets yeah. really popular, maybe you get to do that once a week, and we'll do four nights a week of the, the cheese stuff. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. It just, all right, just, it's a business model to think about. So, I have time to think about it. All right. I'll think. Yeah, you have a lot of time to think about this. All you right, guys well, can see me, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> that, is, that is it for this week. Uh, I'm glad to see that you're still alive, and I – assume your wife is alive. I haven't seen her any of the times we've recorded. I haven't heard her. So as I'm speaking, I'm getting a little, a little nervous that when this is all over, she's, I'll she's, never see her again. She's plenty well. <laughs> which, is, which is what you'd expect someone to say who, who has done something horrible. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, everyone, we will see you and talk to you next week. Further, I will talk to you later. Yep. See ya. Bye. Bye.